Welcome to the ProWrestling.net All Access Podcast. I'm Jason Powell here with a review of the WWE Raw show that aired on January 23rd, 2012. The show was live from Phoenix, Arizona, and this was the final show before the WWE Royal Rumble pay-per-view on Sunday. The go-home edition going into the Rumble and WWE, I thought, hit on in, in some areas and, and missed quite significantly in others. And I think one one key area where I just feel like they've consistently dropped the ball throughout the month of January is delivering strong hype for the actual Rumble match. Now, they did a pretty good job of establishing what's at stake. You know, the winner goes on to main event mania. Um, we all know it's not really the main event when you've got Rock versus Cena on top, unless one of those, you know, unless Cena happens to win the thing or something, but, um, and, and get the title before then. But, I mean, I, I get what they're we all know, I mean, it's it's not always the main event, but people still look forward to the Royal Rumble, and I just think WWE this year just is kind of taking things for granted. It comes across like, that's the Rumble itself itself, and we don't need to advertise a bunch of names in advance. We can just throw out there on the B-shows, WWE superstars, and then wait until the final edition of Raw leading into the pay-per-view to tell people, confuse them a little bit by saying that, for the first time ever, every member of the WWE roster is eligible for the Rumble. Well, what does that mean? You know, it, it, when Matt Stryker explained it on Superstars, it meant that if you had a match on the Royal Rumble card, for the first time ever, you were eligible for the Rumble match. Now, the problem is, that wouldn't be the first time. And, and if that's the case, you know, if they want to pull a Triple H and Taker from last year, where the, the first WrestleMania encounter they had doesn't count, they just want to, you know, it's it's like they're not going to just, they're, they're just going to pretend like it didn't happen for the time being. And with the idea, because I was someone who was fine with that. I know it, it ruffled the feathers of a lot of longtime fans. We're like, that, that's part of your history. You acknowledge it. For me, it was, they're just trying to hype this match and make it seem like it's a epic showdown between two guys. They're not going to outright lie and pretend like it's, and say it's never happened, but they're not going to acknowledge that it has happened at WrestleMania before either. And so when I first heard that Stryker made this pitch on Superstars, I thought, okay, well, that must be the idea here, is that they're going to try to make the Rumble match feel a little more special. But, you know, as I said, you know, it's not the first time this has happened, number one. And number two, that's something you really need to drive home more than in just one video. And Stryker made that announcement over, it wasn't just last week, it was within the last couple of weeks that he made that announcement we had it on the site, and, you know, it's just it's like, oh, I assume they're going to follow up with this on Raw and give some explanation. No, they never really did unless I've missed something along the way. Uh, maybe they'll do a better job on SmackDown, but, you know, this is their highest-rated show. SmackDown's on the rise, but Raw is still the highest-rated show, and uh, they left me wondering, and based on some of the emails I've gotten from people who interpreted it in other ways, I think there's other people who are even more confused by this than I am. Um, and again, if it's, if it's just to make the event feel special, give it a little extra hook, fine, but, you know, make a big fuss over that. Not just once. Don't, don't just sneak it in a video. The only thing I can think of as far as why we should be paying attention to this is that, well, maybe the idea is that a current champion is going to enter the Rumble match and win it. And could they? Could this be the year they merge the titles, for instance, create one world champion? Or could this be the year that, 
Um, you know, the champion gives himself that security, then loses that elimination chamber, and then, you know, goes to get his title back at that mania. I can't say I'm crazy about that one. Uh, I'm not even crazy about the idea of unifying the titles. I know some people are all for it. I'm just someone who believes that you take the title away from a lot of the world title matches we've seen on pay-per-view in, in, in several years. We'll just say this year, for instance, if they're not feuding over the title, how many people are all that fired up about Randy Orton versus Christian? Match quality, sure, but casual fans, do they look at that match in the same light? No. If, if that match doesn't have a title involved, uh, I just think people are like, ah, it's a kind of a throwaway, you know, a middle of the, you know, upper part of the middle of the show um, kind of a match. And I think you need to do – so I, I believe both titles serve their purposes. And I've heard no rumblings that WWE is thinking about doing that. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what it is they have in mind. If it is just, well, if you compete on the Rumble card, you can enter the match. And, well, okay, who's making this determination? Because, you know, of all the guys on the WWE roster, wouldn't all of them want to enter the Royal Rumble match? I, I, is this a Laurinaitis call? Are they going to stack the deck with heels? I, I mean, I, I just, it's really, is it Teddy Long? Because he's in charge of SmackDown? I, I'm not sure where they're going with that. And I don't want to beat it up too much, but, because that wasn't my only issue. It just really felt like, for instance, the Mick Foley announcement that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble match was kind of, you know, they set it up really nicely last week. They got me excited about it. And then it was kind of uh, mentioned in passing during the Punk and John Laurinaitis exchange at the end of the show. Why wasn't that positioned in a way? I mean, I know storyline-wise, Laurinaitis had to feel threatened for whatever reason. That There just had to be a way that you could get that out there earlier and let Foley do some mic work rather than just having him come to the show and then hang out backstage for 10 seconds with Zack Ryder and Eve, which is the only thing he did on this show. Foley, I think, can talk people into buying that pay-per-view. Even if they don't think he's going to win, I think there's a way of positioning it. So even if it's not the last time you're going to see Foley in the ring, he can leave you wondering. I'm not you know, advocating the idea of just misleading people altogether. But yeah, there's a creative way of putting it that, you know, basically, you never know even though I do expect him to be in the ring at, the, at uh, WrestleMania, um, you know, WWE, I think, could have sold some extra pay-per-views by letting Foley promote it in his way. And not just for himself, not just his involvement in it, but Foley's a great talker, and I think he can get people excited about the overall rumble. And I think that's where WWE failed. Now, a lot of us, I'm assuming a lot of you are like me that are listening to this, you're going, well, it's the Royal Rumble. I'm going to order it anyway because it's the Royal Rumble. I feel the same way. But it's not us that they're worried about or should be worried about. It's the it's the casual fan, the, even the, the, the hardcore wrestling fan that just for whatever reason, whether it's budget or just interest level at, in WWE these days, maybe they watch another promotion, they're on the fence about ordering this thing. And I, I think you need to really drive home everything that's great about the Rumble. Now, some of the video packages were successful in doing that, but I just – it doesn't feel like WWE did a, a great job of, of really building up anticipation for this particular Rumble match. You know, I mean, I, I just think back to recent years when they've had that great list of WWE's website with, um, you know, the, the guy, the entrance in the match and their history in the Rumble and, and whatnot. You know, that's the kind of thing. It, it's it's a small thing because not everyone's going to the website, but it's one of those little touches that I think WWE really did a nice job with over the last couple of years. And adding that, it, it does make it seem more prestigious, and it does give people a chance to kind of question, okay, you know, who's who the real contenders are, who's not. I mean, I 
I'm sure they've announced some others, but I mean, I can think of like five, six guys, I guess six that they've officially announced for this. Chris Jericho being one of them tonight. Uh, they, they did make a note that he will be in the Rumble match, which uh, should get some people talking, I think, even more with the theory that Jericho somehow, some way, is going to win this Rumble match. I think everyone has a, their own theory as to how that's going to go down, whether you know, the, the popular one is that it comes down to, you know, that he's at number 30, and before he can, uh, before he even enters the match, the other guys, somehow there's like a double elimination, and Jericho wins without lifting a finger. Could happen. He spoke tonight, which we'll certainly get into. We do know that the number one entrant in the match is The Miz, and I like that because I think you can have some fun with that. It could be as simple as Miz is the first guy eliminated, but Miz plays a great pest. You know, I mean, that's Miz at his best. I'm not crazy about every heel being the chicken shit type, and Miz certainly is that. But, you know, I mean, I think they've tried to give him a little bit of an edge, and they, they haven't succeeded there. So I, I think using him as a pest in this situation, the guy that enters at number one and just hangs around. It's like, God, get rid of this guy. He's really not going to win. You leave him around to that point. Maybe Final Four or something like that where he just hangs around forever. And people start to worry, like, no, they're not going to give it to him, are they? The casual fans, that is. And, you know, I, so I think there is a story they could tell if they want to. I don't know if WWE's going there. But I can live with that, with the announcement that uh, Miz, having lost to R-Truth, is going to be the number one entrant in the Royal Rumble. Uh, as far as the, the undercard for the Rumble, they added nothing. It's still John Cena versus Kane, and it's still the two world title matches. The, the triple threat with uh, Daniel Bryan defending against Big Show and Mark Henry in a cage. They tried to put that over as, I think, the first time ever inside a cage at the Rumble or something. I, I can't remember what their hype was. Here, first time ever so odd, so many times from WWE, you just kind of, you know, sometimes it, it's relevant, you get excited, but a lot of times it's like, yeah, okay, first time ever, whatever. Um, and then, of course, uh, CM Punk facing Dolph Ziggler with John Laurinaitis, a special referee. That one, they did a good job of focusing on. They put a lot of heat on John Laurinaitis. They teased us that we were going to get Punk versus Laurinaitis in the main event, didn't deliver, um, and, and had a good explanation as to why. Uh, because Laurinaitis, according to paperwork that David Otunga handed him, is under review. His uh, position is Raw General Manager, the interim Raw General Manager, because uh, the, the Board of Directors sent word that Triple H is going to be on next Monday's show. Not at the Royal Rumble, no, next Monday. So if you're a big Triple H fan, you were thinking, well, maybe he'll be in the Rumble, maybe I should order this. Nah, he'll be there on Monday for sure. So I, I question that. The idea, I mean, it's you don't see that very often that on a go-home show, WWE advertising something for the following week uh, on free television on Raw. That was odd to me. I, I guess uh, the fact that it's Triple H makes them think that they have to. I mean, it plays into what they're doing storyline-wise. It, it was just odd that they chose to make that announcement late in the show even, when you would think all focus would be on the Royal Rumble match itself. But let's start at the top of the show. We'll work our way through, and uh, we'll, we'll just kind of – you can follow along with my report on ProWrestling.net if you would like to. And, and I guess before I get into that, I should tell you guys, since it's an all-access podcast, uh, great time to sign up for membership. Royal Rumble on Sunday, live coverage. Why not watch it ad-free at ProWrestling.net by becoming a member. Chris Shore and I will be getting together a couple of times this week, first for the .NET Weekly Audio Show on Thursday – 
Uh, last Thursday alone was an extremely news-filled edition as we uh, talked about a number of subjects. You can check out the uh, set list that we have for that um, in the uh, .NET Notebook section if you're interested in listening to that show. But obviously coming up this Thursday, we'll be talking a lot about the Royal Rumble, delivering our preview and our official predictions for that show, and uh, and, and more news, and just analyzing all the news of the week and perhaps breaking some as we did uh, this past week as well. And then on Sunday night, Chris and I will be getting together again for the Royal Rumble Audio Review. Both of those shows available exclusively to ProWrestling.net members. And if you're interested in membership to the ad-free version of the site, which also has a, a, uh, a message board that you, where you can correspond with other members during the Rumble or any day of the week, and a bunch of interviews with people like uh, Chris Jericho, Dutch Mantel, Court Bauer, uh, and, and many more, Conan, Dawn Marie, X-Pac stop by to review an audio or review an episode of Raw with uh, the Torches Wade Keller and I in a simulcast. Sinister Minister Jim Mitchell and uh, also Shane Hurricane Helms in a recent interview. Uh, Sean Davari in a recent interview. Former ECW champion Just Incredible in, in a recent interview. And those are just some of the interviews we've conducted. And if you're interested in signing up for that membership that I mentioned, you can do so for as little as $5.50 a month if you want to commit to an annual subscription. If uh, you just want to try it out for a month, maybe uh, you know, listen, check out the Rumble coverage and take it from there, $7.50. And all you have to do to sign up for membership, if you're listening on iTunes or elsewhere, head on over to ProWrestling.net. You can't miss the sign-up area. It's right there on the right side of your screen. And within basically a matter of a seconds, maybe maybe a minute or so, you're, you're going to have ad-free access to ProWrestling.net. So keep that in mind with the Royal Rumble coming up. I, I just say you do it right now. but I. Kind of have a uh, dog in this fight. So, uh, but anyway, getting back to the WWE Raw show, we open with CM Punk. Uh, well, first we get the montage, and then Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. Uh, but Punk came out to uh, as, as Cole hyped his Mania match. He took a seat in the ring and uh, spoke about Dolph Ziggler and John Laurinaitis being the special referee. Aired footage from last week of Laurinaitis admitting that he intends to screw Punk at the Rumble. And Punk said it's hard to referee a match with two broken arms. And he invited Laurinaitis to come to the ring and say all of the things he said last week. And Punk stood up and waited for Laurinaitis while the crowd chanted Punk's name. And he said that uh, Punk said he gave Laurinaitis a chance, and now he's going to find him. But before he could, I'm like, okay, he's going to go backstage. John Cena's music hit. And uh, I didn't see that coming. I like this a lot. He came out, and uh, the music just kind of stopped Punk in his tracks, and Punk said he called for a man named John, but not John the Boy Scout. And Cena was uh, said he was tired of listening to Punk ramble. He was there for business, and he said Mr. Laurinaitis would show up in minutes to address screwing over Zack Ryder, give him a match with Kane in addition to the one he has at the Rumble, and then resign as the interim general manager. Well, sure enough, Laurinaitis did walk out onto the stage to introduce himself, and Punk acted like he couldn't hear him. And uh, he chalked up last week's follies to just having a bad day. And he said he's not going to listen to Punk or Cena because he's their boss. And he doesn't have to, basically. And he said he made a mistake with Ryder last week and apologized for it. Said that Ryder is at the show and has been medically cleared to compete. And therefore, he was going to put him in a match against Kane. A Falls Count Anywhere match against Kane. And he said that if John Cena gets involved in the match, Ryder would never get another U.S. title shot again. And he booked uh, Punk and Cena in a tag match and called for and said he had a couple of people who were uh, wanted the match and called for a referee to start it. And that's when we got Vicky Guerrero coming out. Now, up to now, 
very good. I, I you know, it's not the time to get people, I guess, thinking too much about Cena and Punk. But maybe it is. If both guys can enter the Rumble match, maybe they're going to do something with those two in there. Um, but, I mean, I, I just I like the dynamic there. Unexpected. I mean, they, despite having you know, two very memorable matches last year, um, they've been distant from, you know, they've been kept apart in the storylines for a while now. And with, uh, you know, all focus being on Cena versus Kane and Punk versus Ziggler and Laurinaitis, just you wouldn't expect Cena to uh, to, to interrupt a, a CM Punk promo. And so a cool touch there. I thought Laurinaitis was solid in what he did. And then, uh, but it was time for the first match of the night, which occurred about 15 minutes into the show. It was Dolph Ziggler and Jack Swagger with Vicky Guerrero defeating CM Punk and John Cena in 11 minutes and 10 seconds. The heels did get a little bit of mic work. Vicky did her excuse me bit. Ziggler, uh, uh, Ziggler was just boasting about beating Punk repeatedly. And then Swagger uh, kept it short and simple and said that Cena was dead meat because of what, what he did to him last week. I'm like, wow, dead meat. There's one I haven't, uh, I don't know that I've said the words dead meat to anyone since like the fifth grade. Uh, but uh, the match itself was entertaining. Um, Laurinaitis came out, or actually just walked to ringside. He was still out there and took a seat next to the announcers. He just spent the whole match texting. He didn't, wasn't on commentary or anything. He was texting. And uh, we did get a commercial break during the match. Uh, just skipping ahead quite a bit. Um, Punk was setting, he went for a couple of GTS uh, finishers on Ziggler, who avoided it both times. Uh, he came right back the second time with a kick to the head and went for a cover, but Jack Swagger broke that one up. And then Cena and Swagger went to ringside and did their thing. Meanwhile, Punk goes for a top rope move. Laurinaitis stands up on the ring apron to distract him, and uh, that causes Punk to drop off the top rope and take a swing at Laurinaitis, who avoided it, and then Ziggler rolled up Punk and pinned him. And then after the match, Punk said it doesn't change anything. Uh, he still plans to beat the hell out of Laurinaitis at some point. And Punk said he wants Laurinaitis to be something for one night that he's never been in his life. I want you to be a WWE superstar. You want to be famous? I'll make you famous. Tonight, I say CM Punk goes one-on-one against you. Very well done. Good intensity from Punk, who really is making this work. I mean, Laurinaitis has definitely improved. He's come a long way since when he first uh, took over this GM role, started becoming an on-air character. Uh, he, But Punk's intensity, I, I think, is... Uh, uh, just it, it, it's helping people take this uh, more seriously. And Laurinaitis, I mean, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from him because he definitely has improved. But I do give a lot of the credit for the reaction right now to this program, to just the intensity that CM Punk is showing in these promo and, and verbal exchanges with Laurinaitis. Uh, Laurinaitis then, uh, he stared at Punk from the stage and he said, um, well, actually, first Punk said, unless, of course, you're afraid. And uh, Laurinaitis smiled and accepted Punk's challenge, and then uh, Punk uh, was uh, talking to the crowd. No mic in hand and said, I just got what I wanted. And so he was happy. The only thing I would say that if uh, there was one thing I'd tell CM Punk or just WWE creative in general, as good as Punk has been and as as intense as this has been, I'd like to hear a little more talk about the WWE Championship and how much it means to him, how hard he worked to get it, uh, just you know, I mean, and and what he's how he's going to do anything he can to keep this to keep that title. Um, it, it it feels like it's a little more. It almost feels like Punk and Laurinaitis is more about a personal issue than it does about Punk just doing you know doing anything he can to keep that WWE championship. But again, I really like what they're doing. I'm enjoying that program quite a bit. If you'd have told me when John Laurinaitis took over as the interim general manager that. 
I'd be enjoying what he's doing as much as I am. I, I would have thought you were crazy, but uh, he's come a long way. Um, and then we got a shot of uh, Chris Jericho. Um, well, actually, first, I kind of like the, the hype that Michael Cole delivered. He said uh, he was talking about the Punk Laurinaitis match, and he said you basically you wouldn't see David Stern or Roger Goodell picking on a player in uh, their sports, but you do in WWE. I know there's a way of looking at the going, well, yeah, because, well, whatever your logic would be, but I liked it. I thought it was a nice touch. Uh, we got Then we got the shot of Chris Jericho doing the over-the-top babyface antics backstage uh, and Lawler hype that he would host the highlight reel later tonight. And uh, after commercial break, we got highlights of Jericho walking out on the tag net event. Then it was time for Jericho already. And uh, he did the lights-out bit with the uh, light-bright jacket that he has. And uh, for those keeping score at home, yes, there was a brand-new Jeritron 5000. If you recall, the old Jeritron 5000 bit the dust. Somebody went through it. I can't even remember who. But uh, there, there was a Jeritron 5000. Maybe he'll call this the Jeritron 6000. I, I don't know. But uh, Lawler at this point did say that Jericho's in the Rumble match. Jericho kept a- acting like he was on the verge of talking. But, of course, stopped short each time and would kind of shush the fans. And then uh, he got excited and told the fans to hold on, and he ran backstage. He was didn't say anything over the mic yet, but he was talking. You could make out what he was saying to the fans. And uh, he was getting a lot of booze because I think the fans thought, yeah, we've seen this before. We know what you're doing, and we're not falling for it this time. There were some cheers, of course, mixed in, too. But a lot of booze from, I would say, it sounded like, well, kind of the crowd that would normally, you know, in the past would boo Cena. A lot of people are booing Cena now, but, you know, the the adult male, it sounded like a pretty bass-heavy boos coming from the crowd. Uh, but he ran and grabbed a T-shirt gun, uh, which he uh, uh, brought back to the ring and teased uh, shooting the gun. Suddenly everyone in the building, I think, that was booing him at one point stopped and acted like they were six years old, praying that Jericho would shoot the T-shirt at them. One, most of you, the gun's not going to reach you. Uh, you know, it doesn't have the power to fire the gun to you. And two, it's a freaking T-shirt, people. Now I know WWE gouges you, but for all you know, that was like the the bad Santino Morella T-shirt, or I, you know, fill in the bad T-shirt. I, but anyway, it's amazing what just how. How much people sell out when it comes to anything free that they think there might be, you know, that one in 18,000 chance that they're going to be the person who gets it. But my God, do they lose their minds over anything free. Just like you are with this free audio podcast. You know who you are. Been thinking about getting .NET membership, and then you say, oh, Powell's doing a free audio. Not today I'm not signing up. Sign up, damn it. Royal Rumble on Sunday. What are you thinking? You're not getting no free audio for the Royal Rumble audio review, so sign up. Wasting your time. Um, all right. Yes, I'm joking. Jericho uh, then took a camera from the crew from a crew member and started filming the crowd. And uh, there was Michael Cole at ringside, waving like a dork and making himself the center of attention. I didn't like that. He said, "Look, I'm on TV." It was just kind of took me out of the moment. I'm focused on Jericho and, and enjoying what he's doing. And I mean, for all I know, it's what they, they worked this out. It was what Michael Cole was supposed to do. And so it's you know, for all I know, it wasn't him. But whoever made this call, it's just, why would Michael Cole be happy he's on TV? I know he's a heel, and they do dorky things sometimes, but that one, it just, I was so into what Jericho was doing, it's just like, really, you're going to distract me with more Michael Cole? Does he always have to be the center of everything? Jericho ended up putting down the camera and then pointing to the Jeritron, 
And we got a highlight video that uh, had clips of some of his finest moments and uh, concluded with the viral video that uh, we had been seeing leading up to his return. And uh, then he shushed the crowd, and I think everyone was like, okay, he's going to leave now. No, he spoke. Jericho has officially broken his uh, silence as a character. He said, uh, this Sunday at the Royal Rumble, it's going to be the end of the world as you know it. Then he flashed a grin, and that was it. Kind of a creepy grin, like, ooh, what's this guy up to? Uh, I just, I really can't speak highly enough about what Chris Jericho has done over the last four weeks. Yeah, the second week was a little repetitive. You know, you, you got what you saw the first week, only with a little bit of fake insincere crying at the end. But it worked. You know, I mean... It, it got a little lost in the shuffle on that show because that's when WWE just went crazy and overbooked a show. But it was fine. It was acceptable. And then I think the third week is when he uh, when he worked the six-man and bailed. That was last week. And then this week he actually talks. I just love it. And, you know, I wonder how many people that – because there was – it was a pretty polarizing thing at first when Jericho returned. There were a lot of people frustrated by that initial non-speaking – segment that he had, that non-speaking promo, if you will. And, uh, you know, I heard from a lot of people, I'm not hearing any real complaints about Jericho these days in email or on Twitter, um, you know, maybe one or two, but I think people have kind of come around on this and are now accepting that, okay, sooner or later we're going to get a payoff. And so I, I, I just think that he managed to slow things down, telling the story that he wants to. And uh, I, I think we're in for a good payoff, whatever it is, come Sunday and, and going forward. I, I'm really, just really looking forward to reading his next book when he, uh, you know, starts breaking this stuff down and talking about, uh, um, you're just, you know, recalling the, the mindset of what went into coming up with this. And, and I assume that he's the guy that's coming up with 99.9% of this, if not all 100%. So, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to, what the inspiration was, if anything, and, and just uh, getting that whenever Jericho gets around to releasing that next book. I think it's going to make for uh, a hell of a chapter, if nothing else. And we got highlights of Hugh Jackman when he was on Raw. He was watching Ryder and Ziggler. And then the announcers uh, talked a little bit more, and we went to a commercial break. When we came back, it was time for uh, Lawler and Cole to hype the Royal Rumble numbers that, uh, slash statistics video package. Um, and, you know, I always enjoy this. It's well done. Uh, even though they've, you know, they've done it now for how many years in a row, that they add little things to it. It's not just completely, you know, they got to change the records at times. And they, they always seem to find something new to add to it. Some of it's trivial, but it's fun stuff. I enjoy it. Speaking of trivial, hopefully we'll get a uh, John Material article on Sunday. Uh, his uh, trivial facts regarding uh, the WWE pay-per-views or something I look forward to every month. Uh, my good buddy John LaPooch writes that article, and I know it's become popular. And uh, So hopefully we'll be getting that from Pooch on Sunday. I don't know what his schedule's like these days, but uh, I would imagine we'll be getting one on Sunday. So look for that sometime uh, probably late Sunday afternoon, the uh, the John material regarding the Royal Rumble. I, I mean, that's kind of what this reminds me of, or maybe it's Pooch's article reminds me of this, the stats thing, where some of it's some of – it's, uh, seems random, but there's there's great tidbits in there, too. Um, the, the, some of the random stuff was, like, the weight that, of all the wrestlers that competed in the match over the years and how many fans that attended the Rumble events over the years. Um, and, and it was at the end of this, the narrator said, and for the first time ever, every WWE superstar is eligible for the Rumble. 
I I assume this is going to make sense after the rumble. We're going to ah, that's what they were what they did that for. I hope because if they really think they're getting people to go, oh my god, for the first time ever, every superstar is eligible. Now I'm ordering this show. No, I, I just can't imagine. Okay, maybe somebody out there is crazy enough, and if you are, just don't bother emailing me because you're going to kind of embarrass yourself if that's your rationale for seriously ordering this pay-per-view. But, um, I mean, if, if I just can't imagine, like, this sold that many pay-per-views, we'll put it that way. Um, so I, I just wish they would have either not done it or explained it. But, again, maybe storyline-wise, it's going to make some sense. Uh, backstage, we got Ryder talking with Eve. McFoley showed up to ask how they were doing and told him that, Kane's human being, and he can be had. That was basically the gist of that. Uh, Eve tried to talk Ryder out of working the match. He uh, backhanded her, and, okay, he didn't really do that, but he, he said that his back is killing him, but he has to do this. And then John Cena showed up, somber look on the face, and he told Ryder that uh, he'll be there if he needs him. Ryder told him to stay out of it. He wants to get in a U.S. title rematch. Keep in mind that Laurinaitis had said that he wouldn't get one if uh, Cena interfered, so... Um, as I mentioned in my review of the show, I just would have taken my chances and hoped that either I was drafted to SmackDown or the U.S. title moved to SmackDown and I stayed on Raw, and then I'd just go after the other secondary title. But that's just me. Uh, second match was Zack Ryder apparently losing a Falls Count Anywhere match to Kane in 1130. This went on way too long. I don't know what the... Logic was here. It just kept going and going. It was like, now I'm not saying it should have just been rapid fiery squashes in two minutes. The idea was that Kane was just destroying Zack Ryder, but it still felt too long. I think they could have accomplished more, the same thing and not started to lose some people in the crowd a little bit. Uh, and, and, and some viewers like me at home had this gone about three minutes less, uh, at, at least. I mean, it was just, it was a slaughter. I mean, every once in a while, Ryder would give a hope spot, and the crowd would kind of get up for that. But Kane would just knock him right back down for one of those uppercut punches. And eventually they, because uh, they went into the crowd, they went uh, all over the place, and then in, uh, all the way up to the entrance area, and Kane chokeslammed him through the stage. Apparently, uh, if Kane pulls you through a hole in the ring, he's trying to bring you to hell. If he chokeslams you through the stage, that's not hell. So if you're keeping track of... Uh, WWE hell, it's where Hornswoggle used to live, I, I guess. Um, but, I mean, it was well done. It's Like I say, it just went a little bit too long. And uh, But the reason it was kind of an apparent finish kind of thing was that he chokeslammed him through the stage, but and the referee went down to check on Ryder, but Kane never pinned him that I saw. And I got the laptop for me. Once in a while, I'll miss something, but I think I would have caught the pinfall. But Eve came out, and uh, she had actually been out there for a good chunk of this match, or the whole thing. Um, I guess very early in the match she came out, but she came up concerned about Ryder and was uh, uh, screaming no. Kane spotted her and just kind of uh, stalked her as uh, she headed back to ringside. That's when John Cena walked onto the stage, and I'm like, disqualify him, disqualify him. But no. Um, I, I guess the idea was that the match was officially over at this point. Maybe I missed the, like the referee saying something, which it definitely can happen when you're Got a laptop in front of you trying to cover a show, but um, so I don't I don't know if there was an official decision, but clearly the match was over at that point because Cena came out and then uh, he walked onto the stage and Kane then exited through the crowd 
And Eve ran up and joined Cena in checking on the fallen rider. And then medical personnel came out to stretch a rider out of the hole in the stage while Cena and Eve just stood there acting horrified. And after commercial break, I, I was happy to see this. They didn't just go right into the next thing. And, you know, we'll, we'll give you a medical update on, on Zack Ryder later. Um, and then just move on to a match or the next segment or anything. Now, I mean, we did get, like, different commercial things. But the actual live stuff, uh, I guess commercial-wise, they hype Randy Orton returning on Friday SmackDown, which we've been saying for a while. It's been advertised. And then uh, also an ad hyping that uh, triple threat cage match. But then back live, they didn't just move on to the next thing. Even though, you know, I mean, I still feel like the match lasted too long, and for some people, I'm sure they were ready to move on to something else. But this, I mean, you had to sell this. Um, so if you wanted to trim the match down and, hell, even cut it in half, I would have been fine with it. Uh, at least trim three minutes off it. Perfect, you know, great, in my opinion. But either way, even though the match went long, longer than it needed to, you had to stick around and show this scene and, and try to, you know, get over the fact that this was big. Because how many... Big injury angles that WWE thought everyone was picking up on. People just assumed. I still remember, was it R-Truth taking out John Morrison, I think it was, or The Miz? One of them took taking out John Morrison. And I think all of us watching was just like, oh, okay. Nice beatdown angle. I guess Morrison will get his revenge next week. And here it was just a setup for Morrison going to have neck surgery. And nobody knew. I mean, they, they can't use blood these days. So, you know, I mean, they they really do have to go to different measures to emphasize this. And I'm not even joking about the blood. I mean, I think if WWE, well, you know, for instance, TNA, they, they will use some uh, some blood once in a while. They've gone overboard with it. I remember when Ric Flair was blading every week, for instance, and it's just, you know, how, how, how deep can he go with a cut, it seemed like, or how much can he bleed? Now, that renders the whole thing useless because then when somebody does a normal blade job, it's like, ah, Flair's is much better than that. Um, but, you know, it, it, in TNA, if they were to limit that to key situations like, and it, for an angle like this, I think it would mean a lot to people. Like, oh, my God, he's bleeding. Because you don't see that in wrestling as much these days. Or at least in WWE, you never do unless it's hard way. Uh, so WWE doesn't have that, um, that, that possible, that, you know, that, that door isn't open for them. They, they've made the decision that, you know what? Um, so you have to go above and beyond, and I think even if you could use blood, you still go with this approach, and you, you drag it out um, in terms of the, the, the post-match and show him being stretchered. And they even did an angle here, because uh, even Cena followed along, and an ambulance was waiting for Ryder, and Cena says, Zach, hang in there, I'm going to take care of this, all right, bud? And then Eve looked at Cena and said that it was all his fault, and then she climbed in the ambulance. But, okay, um, so we now know that... Uh, even Eve hates John Cena, apparently. Josh Matthews, the old stalker, for those of you who have been listening to my audios for a long time, he used to just pop up out of nowhere. Like a guy would be walking backstage, and you'd think you'd see a pretty good shot of the area. And then out of nowhere, stalker Josh Matthews would just pop up and stick a mic in the guy's face. That always creeped me out. Well, he's back to his stalking ways, because uh, I've seen his there, and then, like, before, you know, just told that it's all his fault, and he watches his little buddy get uh, stretchered out and into an ambulance, and, oh, my God, it's horrible. Well, there's Josh Matthews sticking a mic in his face out of nowhere. I'm like, what the hell? And uh, Cena kind of gave him the mean look and uh, slapped the mic out of his hand, which was appropriate. I know they're trying to get over that, you know, is, is, uh, is he embracing the hate, what's going on? I mean, th- this is what someone would do if you got, you know, a, a, a camera stuck in your face at an inappropriate time and somebody trying to interview is like, get the hell out of here. 
uh, Cena looked into the camera and then, like, made this really, really awkward, angry face. It was like, I think he was trying to convey that he's unstable and angry is what I went with in the review. Um, I, this was just kind of odd. He was, like, shaking and trying to, like, deliver his best mean face, but his best mean face was kind of a cartoonish mean face, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't get a ton of email on it, and so I, I don't know if people found it as comically awful as I did. I, I just compared it to, like, uh, as I wrote my POV, anyone who felt Hayden Christensen didn't do a good job as Anakin Skywalker needs to see the comically bizarre facial expression that Cena flashed as part of his portrayal of the man who became Darth Vader. I mean, this is like straight out of Star Wars. We've been talking about this for weeks on the member side that you know, some of the lines they're using and uh, it's, it's uh, you know, Kane is like some weird combination, I guess some weird emperor. Um, somebody's been watching Star Wars, and as I mentioned in uh, members' audio last week, I, I just hope it's like the old trilogy. I can even live with episodes two and three. I just hope they're not watching The Phantom Menace for any source of inspiration. And yes... Because I'm a Star Wars freak, I will be going to see The Phantom Menace in 3D, even though it's my least favorite of the bunch, because it's still Star Wars, damn it, and there's still lightsabers. So shut up and go watch it like I am. Uh, but then after commercial break, uh, we got the announcers uh, at ringside talking about the rider angle. Cole, um, you know, did the usual, oh, we will pass along, we'll be sure to pass along any medical updates we receive, that kind of stuff that gets, it's like, and you shake it up from guy to guy once in a while. Um, maybe people would take it a little more seriously if you weren't so cliche with all these updates. And then uh, Lawler talk about how, talk, spoke about how disturbing the whole scene was. Then it was time for a third match. Sheamus beat Jinder Mahal in 310. I think the idea here was, you know, we got to let him kind of regroup and kinda almost a buffer, or get the crowd back into it after the angle or something. I don't know. But uh, they were talked about, you know, they've got this budding rivalry that no one cares about yet because people don't take Jinder Mahal seriously because they've beaten him badly on too many occasions. But um, it, it wasn't an all-out squash. I mean, I guess mostly. <laughs> but uh, Jinder got a little bit of offense in, but Sheamus put him away with a broke kick. And uh, then Wade Barrett it was out at ringside, by the way. Uh, he joined the announcers on commentary. He's, like, uh, wearing street clothes with the flower in the jacket and all that. And uh, he was just kind of, after the match, he got up, started to head backstage with a smile on his face. And Cole, by the way, is predicting that Wade Barrett will win the Rumble. And Sheamus then, and hey, he is the center of the WWE Universe, as we've uh, all found out the hard way over the last couple of years. So I don't think Barrett's going to win the Rumble, but uh, remember this moment, because I just don't put them put anything past WWE when it comes to making Michael Cole, the heel, look like the smartest guy in the room. Uh, Sheamus uh, said something to Barrett that stopped him. Barrett teased entering the ring. Sheamus uh, then took the mic and said that he's going to win the Royal Rumble on Sunday. I think it'd be great if just one year one of these guys would say, and I'm not going to win the Royal Rumble on Sunday, damn it. There are too many guys, and I don't know what my number's going to be. I probably am, don't have a very good chance. Wouldn't make for a very good promo, and I'd probably criticize it, but deep down I'd be laughing my ass off. Uh, Josh Matthews recovered quickly from being bitch slapped by John Cena, and uh, he was backstage for an interview with The Miz, who was talking about being the number one guy in his tag team, basically. Our truth shows up, and this was, I thought, a good Miz promo. He was intense, and it was like, eh, fine. You know, he's not cowering in fear and asking, you know, for protection from John Laurinaitis. He's intense. He's standing up for himself. He's pissed. You know, then he had to give way to comically awful John, or uh, our truth I almost said John Cena again. Old habits die hard, I guess. Uh, but our truth shows up. He was, like, dressed kind of nerdy. 
and uh, saying he was like some some guy doing market research, and he told a bunch of campy jokes about the Miz being number one, and concluded with him being the number one jackass. I really, really, really dislike the R Truth character now that he's a babyface. I thought this would work because he developed a little bit more of an edge than when he was the the what's up guy. Um, there is a you know when he when he has a little bit of an edge in his comedy, it can be pretty funny, but. I really haven't liked what they've done with him since he's come back from the suspension and uh, the music, you know, the the injury angle that they did with him to set that, you know, to explain his absence. Um, I think he's dragging Miz down with him. I mean, not that they've been doing great business, you know, trying to do great business with Miz. It's just like well, we don't know what the hell to do with him next. So let's just put him in this feud with our truth, the other guy we don't know what the hell to do with, and neither guy's getting much out of this. And the live crowd really dies when they get in the ring together, and that was the case again tonight. We'll get to that shortly, though. Laurinaitis showed up, and that's when David Otunga told him that, uh, um, or actually, no, I'm sorry, Otunga and Laurinaitis showed up, and Laurinaitis said he couldn't even hear himself think while he was preparing for his match, and Laurinaitis said he's tired of hearing about number one. But, you know, Miz and R-Truth going back and forth about that. So the loser of Miz versus R-Truth will be the number one entrant in the Royal Rumble match. And then after another commercial break, um, they told us that Friday's SmackDown television show was watched by more viewers than both NBA games on ESPN. And to that I say, thank you, America, as someone who doesn't give a damn about the NBA. All right, I'm trying to, like, get excited about the Tim Rules finally being a real team again. I'll get there. But uh, the other, however many teams are on the NBA, not so much. Uh, but then uh, we got highlights of Rodas Clay roughing up William Regal from Friday night. And then in the fourth match, it was Brodus Clay beating Heath Slater in 50 seconds. Yes, the entrance took longer than the match again. William Regal was on commentary for this. And um, the big change this week is that Brodus Clay's outfit, his, uh, his like, jogging suit and uh, ring gear, all white. So there you go. And he still had the, the dancers and all that stuff. So wasn't my, I mean, it's kind of like, what you see is, you know, what you've been seeing is what you got here with Brodus Clay. There wasn't any real new twist to it aside from the all-white. And uh, the Rock and Rave infection gimmick thing uh, that I mentioned, I screwed it up. Uh, so TNA Luke on Twitter was nice enough to point out that uh, Rock, I, I called it the Rock and Rave uh, connection. It was actually infection was the name of that horrible, horrible gimmick. And the reason I brought it up is that Heath Slater looks like he uh, belongs in uh, – or, like, should have been. He's like a lost member. Maybe he was, like, the drummer. I don't know. For for those who don't watch TNA, it was uh, Lance Hoyt and uh, Jimmy Rave, and they were stuck together in this tag team with Christy Hemme as their manager, and they actually, like, their whole their whole gimmick was that they came out playing Guitar Hero guitars. I don't know why. I don't, no one ever really explained why they played Guitar Hero guitars, but God, did that gimmick suck. Uh, then we got a Royal Rumble flashback video with Undertaker winning in 2007. Now, I don't know if this is by design. I mean, hell, for all I know, Taker's coming back on Sunday. I, I, I don't think it's the right move to make unless he's going to win the thing and you really want to have some big surprise like he did the year John Cena won after, you know, making the, the early return from his surgery. Um, I, I mean, we can cross that bridge when we get to it, but I don't think it's going to happen. But, I, again, I don't know if this is by design, but I like the idea of airing this video. Because you're not telling people he's going to be there, but you show a video with Undertaker after all this time, and it starts to make people wonder a little bit. And then they order the show wondering a little bit. And, yeah, they might be disappointed if Taker doesn't show up, but if you give him a really good show and you get Taker right around the corner returning for Mania anyway, 
I think you can get by with it because they can't be mad at you because you didn't come right out and say, Undertaker's going to be at the Rumble. They didn't imply it at all. So, I uh, hope, you know, if it was by design, good move. Fifth match, R-Truth beat The Miz in 8-15. Uh, so, The Miz is the number one entrant in the Royal Rumble. R-Truth has a new Little Jimmy Says t-shirt. And uh, this one... Miz was kind of in control down the stretch, and then Truth hit his finisher out of nowhere, and I don't think the crowd knew it was his finisher because they didn't really react for it. Um, there's just no, I don't know, I, I, maybe it's just, I was going to say I don't know that these two have chemistry together. I haven't really seen anything in terms of, you know, working against one another. Um, like they're trying to, like, have this intense feud, and I just don't think people are taking it seriously, and it's kind of hard to when, it's like the matches are intense, but our truce delivery leading up to the matches is 100% comedy. You know, Miz, what has Miz done to get under his skin since he put him out of action? Nothing. Since, since Truth returned, it's been mostly Truth dominating this thing, and there's no heat on Miz, and, and the babyface isn't, like, pissed off at him. And what do you rally behind with Truth, that he's telling jokes? This is bad. I'm really disappointed in, uh, in, in this uh, program, and... I, it, it just can't end soon enough, and I really hope that Miz moves to SmackDown in the uh, the draft whenever that takes place this year uh, because he needs a change of scenery and hopefully some new writers that will have some fresh ideas for him. Uh, it's just, if, if you, I, I don't think he's ready to be a babyface yet, and so if you're going to try to get more mileage out of him as a heel, move him over, and uh, I, I think they can. Uh, so then at... Um, at ringside, Jerry Lawler says, uh, the news regarding Zack Ryder could not be worse. I'm like, oh, my God, is he dead? I heard that happen on the uh, Urban Wrestling Federation pay-per-view where uh, someone, uh, Rashi Brown, was, uh, was was killed, according to their storyline. I'm like, good Lord, they're not going there. Somebody didn't get inspired by that, did they? What am I thinking? Nobody ordered that show, and there's a freaking NFL conference championship on who would have their pay-per-view debut never mind um but anyway no he's not dead it's just jerry lawler thinks that a broken back is uh he can't think of anything worse than a broken back like death but maybe it's just me uh they are footage of the angle lawler once again stated that he couldn't think of anything worse uh and then cole who normally rips on zack Ryder, was uh sitting all solemn and like I, can we please get get to the part where Michael Cole like reverts to a normal announcer again? It's it's not doing any good for the product. It really isn't. It's a he's you know it's just your play by play guy shouldn't always be so negative and uh, you should have credibility and you know I mean he's just it, it's frustrating. Uh, I, I'm it was fun for a little bit I'll admit in, in small doses and if the idea had been. All right, we're going to make Michael Cole a heel manager, or even we're going to make Michael Cole a color commentator and have a standard play-by-play voice. Great, but he's still a play-by-play guy. Unfortunately, he's the play-by-play guy of all of their major shows, including pay-per-views. Uh, backstage, we got Laurinaitis warming up for his match, and that's when David Otunga, he was wearing some weird robe, by the way. I don't know where the hell you get a robe like that, but David Otunga shows up, hands him a piece of paper, and said Laurinaitis wasn't going to like it, and Laurinaitis did indeed look upset after reading the paperwork, and I'm thinking at this point going, all right, he looks upset. He probably has nothing to be upset about, and he's just going to, you know, he's come up with a way to weasel out of this. And then I guess it's possible that that's the idea for next week, is that ah, I made this up about the board of directors, but I'd be surprised. I mean, even if they do, that's when, you know, cue Triple H's music anyway. They're not going to advertise Triple H and not deliver, I don't think. 
So, um, but no, they, they had something else in mind. Uh, we got a shot of CM Punk walking backstage, and uh, then after a commercial break, it was main event time, and, uh, we, well, we did get a graphic touting WWE's work with Make-A-Wish Foundation, and I mock WWE for a lot of these did-you-knows, and tonight, hey, go ahead and shoot your own horn about Make-A-Wish. That's, that's uh, something to be proud of, and also, uh, as is beating the NBA, you know, viewership on a Friday night. What the hell? Uh, so CM Punk uh, comes out. Uh, Justin Roberts introduces Laurinaitis a few times, and he, never, he didn't come out. Finally, Laurinaitis and Otunga walked out together with no music, and Laurinaitis was wearing his Black Future Endeavor t-shirt, and um, Cole was, like, trying to put over Laurinaitis' history in Japan and talking about how he teamed with, or I don't remember if he said teamed or wrestled against Stan Hansen and uh, Steve Dr. Death Williams. Laurinaitis uh, took the mic and set up Otunga reading the letter, uh, which was a statement from the board of directors who decided that Laurinaitis' status as the interim general manager of Raw is under review. He will have his job performance reviewed next week on Raw, and he could be terminated, and the job evaluation will be conducted by Triple H. And a uh, big pop for that. Um, now, before we move on, I will say that, I, I, you know, because I was wondering about this last week. I think I covered it in either uh, the hit list or in my review that, boy, they've really done a lot with Laurinaitis, with him outright stating that he's going to screw over um, CM Punk. I mean, where's the board of directors? Don't they have to step in at this point and do something? I mean, I'll be damned. They did. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where they're going with things. Um, I, I've been wondering, you know, could Mick Foley be the nice guy who's actually ultimately going to be revealed as a heel? I mean, there's there's different ways they could go about this if they want to. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not endorsing any idea of having another heel general manager, because I think the whole thing is passe. But, I, you know, in, in a weird way, as somebody who was, like, so critical of John Laurinaitis and, um, early on, I feel like I'm finally starting to enjoy this character and looking forward to his eventual, eventual match with CM Punk. And now it looks like they're going to write him out, at least as a general manager. Maybe they'll keep him around. But uh, Punk uh, responded to this by saying that it doesn't seem like there's anything stopping him from taking out Laurinaitis before he's shown the door. Laurinaitis said the letter's a wake-up call, and then he apologized to Punk and anyone else he may have offended or crossed. I don't remember what his exact terminology was, but Punk questioned Laurinaitis, saying that uh, Mick Foley couldn't enter the Rumble match when he made that comment last week. Laurinaitis said then announced that Mick Foley can indeed compete in the Rumble match, and he also claimed that he intended to call Punk's match right down the middle all along. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I think he said something about being mad at the moment. And uh, Punk then stumbled a bit while saying that he hopes Triple H uh, inherited traits from his grandfather-in-law. Uh, and he admitted he was about to say grandfather, but then he stumbled again a little bit. You don't see that from Punk very often. And uh, what he was trying to say was that he hoped that Triple H learned how to say, you're fired. Uh, Laurinaitis said the match would not take place under these circumstances. And he named Otunga as a serviceable replacement. And uh, Otunga, who was not in ring gear, he was wearing the, the horrible sweater vest, attacked Punk and put the boots to him. And then Punk speared Otunga and locked him in the Anaconda Vice as he was uh, staring up at John Laurinaitis the entire time. And then Otunga recovered, snuck up behind Punk, uh, only to be blasted with a couple of shots that cleared him from the ring. And then Laurinaitis begged off and offered Punk a handshake. And Punk took his hand, hoisted him up, and hit the GTS and got a big pop from the crowd. And Dolph Ziggler then hit the ring and hit the zigzag on Punk and stood above him to close the show. So they kind of got Dolph back in the mix. I mean, this is, I, I mean, I really think if they were counting on 
the title match to sell the pay-per-view. They'd be better off going with Ziggler or with uh, Laurinaitis versus Punk because, I mean, that's where the heat is. Ziggler's like, oh, yeah, and he's actually challenging for the title. I mean, it's it's about whether or not Laurinaitis is going to screw Punk out of the title. Well, from a logic standpoint, all right, if the board of directors is, uh, you know, concerned about the statement that he made that he's going to screw Punk, don't you kind of remove him from that match? Maybe. I guess that's why he's just under review. But at least they covered that loose end to some extent. I'll give them that. Um, but, I, you know, again, I hated the way the Foley announcement was made. It just uh, felt really anticlimactic after that cool buildup last week. And I think he could have uh, really helped out in selling the show, uh, giving final hype to the show. Um, you know, I mean, there's good chemistry right now with Punk and Laurinaitis. And uh, Ziggler, yeah, I mean, even the way he won the night, it's like, you know, distraction, roll up. I, I really hope that somehow, some way, they start to make people take Dolph Ziggler seriously as, a, as an in-ring threat to the baby faces, that he can hang with these guys. He's not just an opportunist heel that's got to cheat to win or get a distraction. I mean, I, I really think Ziggler can be that guy if WWE casts him in a different light and, and makes it seem like this guy, yeah, he might be he might be a villain, but damn, this guy's good. You know, the they don't do that nearly enough. I mean, once in a while, with a guy like Mark Henry, they'll have the uh, the powerful heel. We see a lot more of those back in, you know, the Hogan era especially. But you, you rarely, you know, you just don't see that from, uh, uh, by WWE standards, kind of an average-sized guy who's just is that damn good in the ring, and he, he's a heel. And, and, and I, I really think that could work if WWE opted to go in that direction. But uh, overall, I mean, I guess the match – the show left me looking forward to a match that's not happening more than a match that is uh, with Punk and Laurinaitis. But, I mean, obviously it plays in with Laurinaitis being the special referee for that match. I was worried when he dropped him with the GTS. I'm like, wait a minute, that's the, the thing everybody's waiting for. But it worked because Ziggler was there to, to, to catch him from behind the zigzag. I, I mean, you can make a case that Ziggler should have broke that up before he could hit it. Um yeah, I mean, that's probably uh, um, how I would have booked that, where, you know, why why show, why give people what they've been waiting for with Punk getting his hands on Laurinaitis? I mean, maybe there's a setup there, too. I, I don't know. But uh, I just, that was a little bit odd to me, but obviously they wanted to have Ziggler standing tall. It just kind of felt like, oh, it's a little too late for that. But, you know, I mean, hey, it's the Royal Rumble on Sunday. I wasn't crazy about the way they hyped the actual match uh, for the last month, but still looking forward to the actual pay-per-view, the match. Um, and so far, you know, the advertised matches, even, yes, even Cena versus Kane. I want to see what they can do. They've had plenty of opportunities now to, to work together on the live events, and hopefully we get a better finish than they've been getting on the live events where Kane hits him with a chair for a DQ. Um, I hope they have something a little better in mind than that. But, uh, you know, Cena is uh, taking another step down that path, and I guess the question is, does he actually turn heel somehow, some way out of all this, or is this all a big setup for, um, you know, I, 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 he, he got under my skin and I came close, but I'm, I'm, I'm right back here. I'm the same guy you've always known, and I was tempted, but I won't do it. I, you know, I, I, I don't know how you turn him when, you know, we've talked about that before. How do you turn a guy that most of the crowd doesn't like right now? Um, and, and, I mean, it's just, it's awkward. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of, it's as much as I think the hocus-pocus crap with Kane is terrible, which we didn't get tonight, thank goodness. 
Um, and um, I, I think they're, and as much as it's a Star Wars ripoff, I think there's, it has some appeal to me, but more so it's just, all right, what kind of match can these guys pull off? And I would say of everything on the Rumble show that's been announced so far, that's the match that I care about least, and that's probably the match that WWE spent the most time building up this year. I mean, maybe it was Punkin. I guess, I guess probably was Punkin and, uh, well, not Laurinaitis, but Ziggler. But, um, you know, neck and neck. And, uh, but again, you know, Royal Rumble weekend and, uh, on Thursday afternoon, Chris Shore and I will get together for that .NET weekly audio show and deliver our picks, uh, and, and talk about the event in, uh, detail. Uh, SmackDown tapings on Tuesday night in Tucson. If you are going to that show, we are looking for correspondence still. We take the more the merrier approach. So if you can help us out, uh, shoot me an email at .netjason at gmail.com, D-O-T-N-E-T-Jason at gmail.com, and let me know that you can help us out. And, uh, you know, we'll have the SmackDown results in by then, uh, by, by the time Thursday rolls around. So we'll know everything that's, uh, adver- you know, basically advertised or every major angle going into the Royal Rumble unless they uh, decide to do something away from the live crowd. Uh, but uh, big weekend coming up. And UFC also on uh, on Fox this weekend. So it's going to be a fun weekend if you're a fan of pro wrestling and MMA. And uh, Sean Waltman has a party in St. Louis along with Billy Gunn, uh, an after party in St. Louis. And I know we've got a couple of readers going to as well. So it's uh, been a little bit slow as uh, you know, WWE didn't have a pay-per-view until uh, late in the month this, uh, this time around. But uh, – it's the Rumble. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to covering it on Sunday. And, hey, even if you don't sign up for membership, you can always uh, follow along with my live coverage on the uh, ad-based version of ProWrestling.net. We're happy to have you either way. I mean that sincerely. So um, whether you're an ad-based or a .NET member, I uh, certainly appreciate your business and, and uh, for checking us out, and hopefully you'll do so again on Sunday night. Uh, so until, uh, I guess until tomorrow, because I'll be by well, Tuesday afternoon, because I think most of you will be hearing this on Tuesday, but uh, Wade Keller and I will get together for the PW Torch livecast. That will be available at blogtalkradio.com, 4.30 Central, 5.30 Eastern. And uh, we phone calls are welcome. You can t- you can uh, call into the show or send Keller an email at uh, the Blog Talk Radio address that he has set up. You'll find more details about that on the Torch. But, again, 4.30 Central, 5.30 Eastern, blogtalkradio.com, the PW Torch livecast. Your calls welcome for one hour, and then uh, the the members of our respective sites will get the special bonus show as a, a perk for them. Uh, so thank you again for listening, and I will talk to you again soon. Take care.